And in this time, we're going to turn to the Bible. So please turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. That's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And please follow along as I read from the English Standard Version. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God. Thanks, John. Uh, good morning again and welcome. Uh, you've joined us as we begin a new series. Uh, the series is called Side by Side, uh, Walking with God, uh, Running Together. And our theme for this year is, just a reminder, walking with God. Uh, but walking with God is not just something that we do by ourselves. Right? And so this series is really about us uh, one anothering. Right? Loving one another, forgiving one another, serving one another, being devoted to one another. Um, but as we do that, we will find that as we come together, that it will actually help us to walk with God. And that cool tagline, walking with God, running together, that's from Daniel. I just want to give him credit for that. Uh, I joke, he should get five, five uh, cents every time we say that phrase. But um, yeah, let's jump into the series. Today we're looking at being devoted to one another. Now you may have heard of uh, Mahatma Gandhi. He, is, he was the prominent leader of the Indian independence movement back in the 1900s. Uh, not a Christian, uh, but he famously once said, uh, it was attributed to him at least, he said, uh, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now again, Gandhi wasn't a Christian, uh, but I think this sentiment that Jesus is good, have no problems with Jesus, but it's the Christians or the church that I have a problem is, is I think that's a sentiment that uh, you find not only in non-believing people, but I think sometimes we find that even amongst Christians. Right? Even Christians feel like at times that we like Jesus, but we don't like the church, or we don't like fellow Christians. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, maybe you've thought it yourself. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. I believe in God, but I'm not into this whole Sunday service gathering thing. Or I don't need church to have a relationship with Jesus. It's between me and him. I don't need anybody else. That's unfortunately not an uncommon thing to find amongst even Christian thinking. And maybe people feel that way, and maybe that's you because you've been hurt in the past, right, by the church. And so you've given up on the church, but you still love Jesus. Or perhaps you visited a bunch of churches and you've never really felt at home, and so you want to maybe not try anymore. 
Or maybe you just feel jaded because you've seen the imperfections or the hypocrisy of the people in the church. Now, regardless of the reasons, this kind of sentiment is something that we've heard before or maybe we've thought ourselves. And yet, even though it is genuinely at times difficult to commit to a church, God still calls us to commit to the fellowship of believers. The expectation is that the moment you commit to Christ, that you would commit to a church. And those two things, committing to Christ and committing to a church, are not separate things, but they're intertwined. Right again, the moment we commit to Christ, we're expected to commit to a church, but as we commit to a church, we'll find that it will help us and spur us on to commit to Christ. Those two things come together, right? Walking with God, running together, they are intertwined. And so this series, again, is for the next six weeks, including this week, about us running together and what it looks like for us to one another. And as we run together, my hope and prayer is that it will help us to walk with God better this year. And so in today's sermon, it's like an introduction. It's like a general invitation to be devoted to the church. Right, devote to one another. The next five weeks as we practically, specifically talk about things we can do, I want you to be on board with this and give it your best go. Even if you're one of these people who have said before, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the church. Right? And maybe somehow you, you walked in here for the first time in a long time after giving up on church. You know, I believe God has brought you here to give it another go, right? to devote yourself to the church. Now I'm going to talk about three things. It's a what, it's a how, and I think it's a when. Okay, so what? The what is this, be devoted to the church. Now the passage we heard that John read, Acts chapter 2, is the, as far as I know, the earliest description of this movement of people who are following Christ that became to be known as the church. It's the earliest description of you know, them gathering together. But it's not just the earliest description, I think it's the best description. It's the most challenging description. It's my favorite description of the church. And so we're going to read this all one more time. Just want to follow along. And I want you to sit, sit, as you sit there, just imagine this kind of church. Imagine what it must have been like for this gathering to get together and that you were in the midst of it. Right? Because it's really a challenging and an amazing description. Verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this description, it's so rich. You've got a bunch of people who are truly committed Right, to gathering together, to singing together, praying together, to eating together, to giving up their houses to help each other. It's truly such a beautiful image. And when I read this, I'm like, I think my heart is like torn. And a part of me is like inspired. Wow, that's what the church is meant to be like. And a part of me is like discouraged. It's like, how can we ever look like that? It feels impossible. And yet they did that. 
And maybe a part of why it feels impossible and foreign to us is because, you know, we in Australia, we live in a, a Western individualistic society. It's very me and me-centered. And that bleeds into our faith as well. And this kind of culture is a big contributor to why, you know, being in the midst of people may be difficult for us. I think that's the heart of why people say, my faith is just between me and God. That's an individualistic way to think. To say, I don't need church to have a relationship with Jesus is such an individualistic way to think. And a part of that, I think, is heavily influenced by the culture that we live in. Back then, if you were a Jewish person, there was no way that you would think your relationship with God was separate from your family or your friends or the people that you know. They were all intertwined. And so the challenge is to be devoted to, number one, to church service. I want to note that faith is, I think this is what um, Paul Tripp says, it's a community project. Your faith is not just individual, but it's done together in the church like we're doing right now. We read that the early Christians were devoted to gather together. They sat, it says, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the teaching. And then it says to the prayers later on in verse 42. In verse 46, it says, day by day, they were attending the temple together. And this kind of, you know, our version is, is the service. In verse 47, it says that they were praising God. And so they're sitting under the teaching, which for us is the scriptures. They're praying together. They're coming to service together. And they're worshiping. They're praising God together. Right? It's all done together. Right? What we do by ourselves in our rooms on the Monday to Friday is very important. But none of that is described here. All we see is that they're doing it all together. Their faith was exercised here in the community. They heard God's word together. They prayed together. They attended temple together. They praised God together. Everything was together. And so to say, I don't need church to have a relationship with Jesus is a very dangerous way to think. It goes against what we see described here in the early church. For the early church, the church, the gathering was a central place to strengthen their relationship with God. It was here. And we sometimes think of it the other way. It's, it's, it's mainly between me and God and then, and then I come to church as a bonus. But for them, I think it was the opposite way around. It was primarily the gathered people. And then they also chased after God when they were by themselves. But the second thing is this, not only to devote yourself to church service, what we're doing here together, but to devote yourself to church community. And I don't think they're necessarily the same thing. The church did more than just to gather to strengthen their relationship with God, but what you see here is they gathered to strengthen their relationship with one another. Right? To get to know one another, to care and love and to serve one another. And so we read in verse 42 that they were devoted not only to the apostles' teaching, but to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. In verse 46, it says, as they met up daily to go to the temple, they broke bread in their homes. And then verse 45, it says, they were helping each other, selling their possessions to help one another. This is important because on the one hand, you by yourself in your room, Seeking after God is, is not the whole picture. We need to gather together like we're doing today. But even that is, is not enough. 
We're not just here to meet God, we're here to meet each other. And I think it's possible for someone to say, okay, I, I accept that I need to come to places like this to meet with God, but then all we do is sit here, it's between you and me, it's, it's still a, it's you and God, it's still an individualistic approach, and you don't really care about anyone else around you. And you sit here, you sit through service, you hear a word, you run outside those doors, and that's it. And that is also a very dangerous way to think. Sometimes we treat church like we treat a movie. There's an analogy I think I used <clears throat> a long time ago, but when you go to a movie, what do you do? You, you arrive late once the trailers are, you know, hopefully nearly done. You sit in your designated seat, and if someone's sitting there, you get a little upset that they're in your seat. And you sit there, and it's just you and the screen in front of you, and you enjoy it. You don't talk to anyone else, and as soon as the credits start to roll, you get up and you leave. Right? That's what we do in a movie. Sometimes I think people do that at church. Right? We, we come to church, we arrive a little late in the middle of the praise. We get into our designated seat, and if someone's sitting in your seat, you get upset at them, and you're like, what are you doing in my seat? Maybe you'll nod to the people around you, but you don't talk to them and you sit through, you know, this entertaining talk. Maybe, hopefully a little, you know, it's not boring. And as soon as the announcements begin to roll at the end, you, you rush out and you go back home. It's just you, God, maybe the sermon, and that's it. Again, a very individualistic way to think. It's me and God, but it's also a very dangerous way to think. And one of the main ways God wants to strengthen your faith and to encourage you is not simply through the church service, not simply through the preaching of the word or the singing or the being led into prayer. All of these things are very important, but it's not just through the church service, but perhaps God wants to encourage you through the church community, through the conversations that happen after this. But as you speak and catch up with one another, as the brother or sister actually genuinely care for you and then they pray for you, as they message you throughout the week, these things are just as important and God works powerfully through these things. God works not only through the preaching, not only through the praise, but He works through the people in the church. In Hebrews chapter 3, the author of Hebrews says this exact thing. In verse 12, he warns us, he says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Be careful, he's saying, take care that you don't fall away from God, that in your relationship with God, that you, you don't give up, that you don't turn your back on God, right? So he's saying, be careful that you don't do that. But what's the solution he gives to us? What's the answer? What should you do to make sure you don't turn away from God? Is he going to go say, now go into your room and listen to an online sermon of a famous preacher? That's not what he says. He doesn't say, now go read that best-selling Christian book that's number one right now. He doesn't even say, go and pray. These are all good things. But in verse 13, this is what he says. This is what you do. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The solution to you not giving up in your vertical relationship with God is the activity of the horizontal relationship of God's people. Right? Do you see that? Don't give up on God. Make sure you're in community and that we're speaking into each other's lives. Right? This community, God's people, helps us 
continue to chase after God. To say it another way, if you're not devoted to God's people, you may fall away from God himself. I would say it's only in exceptionally rare circumstances that a Christian can just do the journey by themselves. That's not the way God has created us. That's not God's design. Now the missionary in an unbelieving nation just by themselves with no other choice, I think God in his grace and his provision takes care of them. And yet here in Australia, where we have the ability to be in the midst of church community, it is so important that we are. It's so important that we're devoted to one another. The word devoted here, in the original Greek, it's made up of two words fused together. It's steadfast or persevere toward, right? Steadfast toward, persevere toward. That's what devotion is. The early Christians were steadfast toward these things. Steadfast, persevering to meet together, to pray together, to read God's word together. I think it's that word to show us that it's not easy. They persevered because it's not always easy. They were steadfast and they made it a priority and then persevered through it because being devoted to church isn't easy, right? We're busy. We're tired and we've got family stuff and kids' birthdays. There's so many reasons why we shouldn't be here. It's so cold. I just want to be in bed and watch the live stream. And all these reasons. The reasons are very long. They're very convincing. And so therefore, it's so important. You commit. You devote. Set it a priority. And you keep pushing forward. That you devote yourself to the church service. That you devote yourself to the church community. And make that decision. Make it a priority. And then persevere toward it. That's what the challenge is. Now, how did the early church do this? They did this by meeting in large and small gatherings. Verse 46. And day by day, (coughs) sorry, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. The church, interestingly, um, they met in these big and small gatherings. The passage says they attended the temple together. That's kind of, again, like this large gathering. It fit a large number of believers, and they'd meet together to sit under the teaching of the apostles. They'd pray, and they'd praise together. Right? It's very much like what we're doing here today is a model of what the early church would have done in their big gatherings. And in the verse right before the verses we read, where we, we're on verse 42 to 46, in verse 41, it says, Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So in verse 41, this context in Acts 2, is Pentecost, you know, tongues of flame, speaking in languages, and people hear what's going on. Peter stands up, he preaches the gospel of repentance to the people. You're in your sins, repent, Jesus can save you. And then it says 3,000 souls were saved. So in one day, the church added 3,000 to their people. And so I don't know how many people gathered when they attended the temple, but it was a large gathering. Hundreds, if not thousands, were gathering together. And they did that. They made sure that they gathered in this large group. But also, 
they gathered in small groups. It says that they would break bread in their homes. And that automatically restricts the size, right? I don't know how big their homes were, but I'm sure it didn't fit 3,000 people. And so then they'd go off and they'd go to each other's homes. And that was an act of intimacy as it is today. When you invite someone to your home, you're kind of inviting them into your life. They get to see the mess in the corner and you know, the clothes crumpled in your room and just how clean you are or not how clean you aren't. And it's, it's, it's inviting them to your life. But for the Jewish people, it was truly an intimate um, opening up of your life to them. And they would be inviting these small groups of people into their home. They met in large groups, they met in small groups. And I think this provided the opportunity to build relationships that were both wide and deep. And in a church, I think for us to feel like we belong, we need relationships that are wide, but then also relationships that are deep. What I mean by that is as we gather in large gatherings, you know, the early church, maybe thousands or hundreds at least, it gave them an opportunity to see all the faces, right? to get to meet new people, right? to know that this, this is us. We are the local church combined. Uh, but then you, you're not going to be able to know everyone that you meet right, at that size. And even right now, we're not that big. We're not, we're not, we're not thousands, definitely. You know, but even now, it's, it's sometimes hard right, to know everyone. And yet it's valuable for us to come together and build this wide set of relationships, even though it's not that deep, to have wide relationships amongst each other. And then to grow deep with a few specific group of people, to go to each other's homes and to break bread, right? And to develop some intimate relationships, not with everyone. We can't do that with everyone, but at least with some people, really grow to be friends, to share your struggles and your temptations, and to pray for one another. Right? Um, I, there's this uh, thing I, um, I say, not, oh man, I forgot. Okay. No one can know everyone, but everyone can know someone. But I don't think that's the church. Right? No one can know everyone deeply, but everyone can know someone deeply. And we need that. We need a wide range of relationships. We need deep relationships. I think that's important for us because the wide relationships and when we gather together, it shows us that we're united, that we're not alone, uh, that there is a big group of believers who are fighting the same fight as we are. I think there's, I think there's power when we gather together like we are today, as we sing and we hear the saints sing as we pray, and you know that we're all praying for the same thing, as you sit under God's Word, teaching together, even though you don't speak to everyone here, just to know that we're in it together, I think that's a very powerful thing. And this provides us opportunities to connect with people, to say hi, and to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. Yes, God is at work in a large scale, even here at Kingsway. And then the small gatherings, right, which for us may be growth groups, or, you know, women's events, lunch after service, organically inviting people over. Those small gatherings then provide us those opportunities to really share about life. Right, go wide, go deep. You know, all of this uh, is impossible without the grace of God. You know, I said that we need to be devoted to this. And again, it sounds so difficult, right? I need to know everyone a little bit, and then I need to know some people deeply. Like, how, how do we do that? How do I have the time? How, how do I set that priority? We be steadfast toward it. But 
it's not just our efforts going into this. It's God's love and grace that we've first encountered in Jesus Christ then showing up in our lives. And so it is very important that we know God and His Savior, Jesus Christ, experience the love and grace of God that plugs us into a church. And in the midst of the church, it then strengthens our love and, and, and the intimacy that we have with God. And this is bouncing and feeding into each other. We try our best, but we also depend on the grace of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing, we're devoting to one another in the large and small gatherings. And when do we do this? The early church, they did it every day. Verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Our ESV version says day by day. The NIV says every day. And the church somehow, some way, met every day. Every day to pray and sing and eat together. They loved God and had meals every day. <laughs> so inspiring and so discouraging. It's crazy. In a way, it makes sense. The moment you become a believer, you now belong to a new kingdom, a new set of values and morals. You have a new purpose. You now live for a new Lord and Savior and King. The core parts of our lives are changed. My identity, my drive, my passion, my delights. And so you want to be with the people who understand you, who have the same set of values and purpose in your life, who believe in this, what to the rest of the world seems crazy, in heaven and eternity, in a reward, in God, in a tri Trinitarian God. All of these things we believe. And so it makes sense that we want to gather together as much as possible. Right, the early church didn't compartmentalize their faith. They weren't just Christians on Sunday you know, and put on the Christian hat and sing a few songs and say the Christian things and then take it off and be their work version of themselves on the Monday to Friday. Their faith was not a subsection of who they were. Their faith was all pervasive and so it, it, it affected who they wanted to be around also on the Monday to Saturday. Our devotion to one another is not just for right now. It's not just for Sundays. The ideal goal, if we could attain it, is that we would be steadfast toward daily interaction with the Christian community. Now, even that, I'm, I'm lowering the bar, daily interaction, not even to meet together, because I think our context is a little different. But we need that daily interaction because the fight is daily. Temptations come daily. Trials come daily. I don't know about you, but doubts come da daily. I need to be encouraged daily. And the enemy takes no days off. So we need to be in each other's lives daily. We need to be reminded of the gospel daily. We need God's grace spoken into our lives every day. Now, the reason why I say, you know, for us, we're going to try to have Christian interaction. You know, there are some contextual differences between us and Acts chapter 2, right? For the people in Acts chapter 2, the early church, um, due to a lack of, you know, advancement in technology, they uh, worked 
in the same place as where they lived, as where they grew up, usually. It's kind of all in the same area because they'd have to walk to work, etc. You know, the places where they'd worship would be in the same area as well. And so the people that they knew would have been similar people. They'd rub shoulders with church people all the time. They'd bump into each other all the time. It was like you probably walked over to have uh, break bread at each other's homes, right? Because you all kind of lived together. And so it was much easier for them to meet every day. But for us, we're different. Right? Technology is great. We drive or we catch buses or trains, but that means your work is up to 45 minutes away from where you live. And then your church is possibly 45 minutes away from where you live. And so you're very far from each other. If you say come over, it's not a five-minute walk. It's maybe a 30-minute drive. And that also means that we're going to university there, we're going to work over here, and then we change jobs and we're working over here. So we have friendship circles that are different from our work circles, that are different from our church circles, and they're all kind of spread out. But again, very different from back then. In a way, it makes it much harder for us to meet like the early church did. Right? Our context is very different. But let me tell you, that is not an excuse. That is a warning. It means we need to try harder than the early church did. That doesn't change the fact that we need each other every day. It's just harder for us. So we need to be that much more devoted. Our need for Christian community hasn't changed. Right? What's changed is that we need to fight and we need to go out of our way to be in each other's lives. Now, in some ways, we get the benefit of technology, of messages and FaceTime and you know, calls. And we need to try to be in each other's lives in that way. Even though that's different for us, you know, what's similar between us and the early church is this. I don't know if you feel it um, in your everyday life, but there's an increasing opposition to the Christian faith in Australia. Um, It's harder uh, to be Christian. I think uh, Australian Christians have enjoyed until recently an uncharacteristic, uh, long season of peace. We have been very comfortable to be Christians, right, in the last few hundred years. Uh, but it feels like at a very rapid rate, we're being, you know, the minority. We're, we're, we're looked down upon. You know, people disagree with us. They actually, you know, maybe outcast us. Our morals are no longer mainstream. It used to be that the Christian morals were shared with non-Christians in the Western world. Like, we just kind of agree the Ten Commandments good, right? We'd agree on so many levels, but now what we believe... God wants us to do and how to live is opposed. We're, we're very different from the outside world. We're a cultural, cultural minority right now in Australia. Now, this has been just the way it's been. It's, it's been normal for most Christians in most parts of the world for most of history. Being in the minority is normal right, for most Christians in most parts of the world for most of history. It's just that we have uncharacteristically enjoyed a season of peace. But even right now, there are many brothers around the world who are facing far worse opposition than we are. And we're just merely joining what is always the case, right? Jesus told us this is what we should expect. But as we face this growing opposition, the need for us 
to have this becomes more and more bigger. It becomes so important that we have each other. I wonder if the early church made gathering together a priority because they really knew nobody else thought the way that they did. They faced such great opposition from even family. They were risking their jobs and their lives that they knew that without gathering together, they really might give up. And the hard reality was it's too hard to stay a Christian without the help of other people. And I don't know if you feel that, but as we face greater opposition, it is truly important that we cling to the Christian community. We, we gather together, we cling to Christ, but we need each other to speak into each other's lives. As the world around us changes, and there are gonna be some changes in this church, and we'll announce it in the announcements. Um, yeah, I just wanna ask you to really commit to this. It's not, it's not always easy. It takes a decision, steadfast toward gathering, but for you to endure in your faith for the next 30, 50, 70 years, we need to be together. I wanna end with an, uh, one of my kind of famous, my, my favorite images of uh, the church. Um, but I don't know if you've ever gone overseas and you go to a country that doesn't speak your language. Um, it's easy to feel out of place, right? You go to Thailand and the food is different. The language is different. The currency is different. Uh, the way that they do things is different. Um, the culture is different. I remember when I went to Thailand, everyone's riding these motorbikes, like, and I was like, well, this is so, so different. Right? Just, just the way that they, they think and live, so different. And sometimes it feels like you're all alone, right? No one understands you. You're like a fish out of water. Uh, but in every country like this, uh, you, you, ha you have your Australian embassy. And you step into the Australian embassy, and it feels like and in that moment, you're back home. It feels like, just for that moment, you're back home. Because here, there are people who speak your language, and they understand you. They have the same values and culture as you. Right? You're not alone when you're there, and you feel like you found where you belong. The church... The local church is God's embassy here on earth. And we are a people who, especially as we face greater opposition, we feel like we're a fish out of water. We feel like we're out of place. We feel like no one understands us. We feel like we're all alone. We feel like no one speaks our language. No one shares our values. And yet when we step into the church, we have found our people people who understand what we're saying, understand what we believe in, who share in our culture and our values. And even though it's not home, right, heaven is our home. For the briefest moment, it feels like we're at home. And we get a glimpse of heaven here in the church. As we endure in our faith and face greater opposition, it is so important that we will devote ourselves to this. Devote ourselves to the large and the small and be devoted to this 
every single day. And for the next five weeks, we're going to go into more specific, practical ways this shows up in our lives. But you know, the challenge for t- you today is just this decision to give it a go and to commit to the people here in a wide way and also in a deep way. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray. As you pray, I just want to invite you to make that commitment before God to devoting yourself to this community. In the midst of all the list of excuses uh, that come up, uh, in the midst of the reasons why you want to stay at home, in the midst of the changing world around us, and in the midst of the changes that are going on in this church, will you commit to the people here? commit not only to this service and sitting through a sermon but commit to the people on your left and right commit to know people in a wide way to know more faces and names to say hi my name's Paul what's your name but then also to commit deeply and to open up your heart to some people, a select few maybe here. We need this. God knew we need need this. Our God is in constant fellowship, even in himself. When he created Adam, it was not good that Adam was alone. Adam needed people. We were made to have people in our lives. The church needs each other. God, I commit to this church. Can we make that our prayer? And then we'll sing a song. Let's pray.